Chapter 20 of Practical Religion, Part 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michael Wolfe. Practical Religion by J. C. Ryle. Chapter 20, Part 1. The Great Separation. Whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor, and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Matthew 3, verse 12. The verse of Scripture which is now before our eyes contains words which were spoken by John the Baptist. They are a prophecy about our Lord Jesus Christ, and a prophecy which has not yet been fulfilled. They are a prophecy which we shall all see fulfilled one day, and God alone knows how soon. I invite every reader of this paper to consider seriously the great truths which this verse contains. I invite you to give me your attention while I unfold them, and set them before you in order. Who knows, but this text may prove a word in season to your soul. Who knows, but this text may help to make this day the happiest day in your life. 1. Let me show in the first place the two great classes into which mankind may be divided. There are only two classes of people in the world on the sight of God, and both are mentioned in the text which begins this paper. There are those who are called the wheat, and there are those who are called the chaff. Viewed with the eye of man, the earth contains many different sorts of inhabitants. Viewed with the eye of God, it only contains two. Man's eye looks at the outward appearance. This is all he thinks of. The eye of God looks at the heart. This is the only part of which he takes any account. And tried by the state of their hearts, there are but two classes into which people can be divided. Either they are wheat, or they are chaff. Who are the wheat in the world? This is a point which demands special consideration. The wheat means all men and women who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, all who are led by the Holy Spirit, all who have felt themselves sinners and fled for refuge to the salvation offered in the Gospel, all who love the Lord Jesus and live to the Lord Jesus and serve the Lord Jesus, all who have taken Christ for their only confidence, and the Bible for their only guide, and regard sin as their deadliest enemy and look to heaven as their only home. All such of every church, name, nation, people and tongue, of every rank, station, condition, and degree, all such are God's wheat. Show me people of this kind anywhere, and I know what they are. I know not that they and I may agree in all particulars, but I see in them the handiwork of the King of Kings, and I ask no more. I know not whence they came, and where they found their religion, but I know where they are going, and that is enough for me. They are the children of my Father in heaven, they are part of his wheat." All such, though sinful and vile, and unworthy in their own eyes, are the precious part of mankind. They are the sons and daughters of God the Father. They are the delight of God the Son. They are the habitation of God the Spirit. The Father beholds no iniquity in them. They are the members of his dear Son's mystical body. In him he sees them and is well pleased. The Lord Jesus discerns in them the fruit of his own travail and work upon the cross, and is well satisfied. The Holy Ghost regards them as spiritual temples which he himself has reared and rejoices over them. In a word, they are the wheat of the earth. Who are the chaff in the world? 
This again is a point which demands special attention. The chaff means all men and women who have no saving faith in Christ, and no sanctification of the Spirit, whosoever they may be. Some of them perhaps are infidels, and some are formal Christians. Some are sneering Sadducees, and some self-righteous Pharisees. Some of them make a point of keeping up a kind of Sunday religion, and others are utterly careless of everything except their own pleasure and the world. But all alike, who have the two great marks already mentioned, no faith and no sanctification, all such are chaff. From Paine and Voltaire to the dead churchman who can think of nothing but outward ceremonies, from Julian and Porphyry to the unconverted admirer of sermons in the present day, all, all are standing in one rank before God, all, all are chaff. They bring no glory to God the Father, they honour not the Son, and so do not honour the Father that sent him. John 5, verse 23. They neglect that mighty salvation which countless millions of angels admire. They disobey that word which was graciously written for their learning. They listen not to the voice of him who condescended to leave heaven and die for their sins. They pay no tribute of service and affection to him who gave them life and breath and all things. And therefore God takes no pleasure in them. He pities them, but he reckons them no better than chaff. Yes, you may have rare intellectual gifts and high mental attainments. You may sway kingdoms by your counsel, move millions by your pen, or keep crowds and breathless attention by your tongue. But if you have never submitted yourself to the yoke of Christ, and never honoured his gospel by heartfelt reception of it, you are nothing in his sight. Natural gifts without grace are like a row of ciphers without a unit before them. They look big, but they are of no value. The meanest insect that crawls is a nobler being than you are. It fills its place in creation and glorifies its maker with all its power, and you do not. You do not honour God with heart and will and intellect and members which are all his. You invert his order and arrangement and live as if time was of more importance than eternity and body better than soul. You debt and neglect God's greatest gift, his own incarnate Son. You are called about that subject which fills all heaven with hallelujahs. And so long as this is the case, you belong to the worthless part of mankind. You are the chaff of the earth. Let this thought be graven deeply in the mind of every reader of this paper, whatever else he forgets. Remember, there are only two sorts of people in the world. There are wheat, and there are chaff. There are many nations in Europe. Each differs from the rest. Each has its own language its own laws, its own peculiar customs. But God's eye divides Europe into two great parties, the wheat and the chaff. There are many classes in England. There are peers and commoners, farmers and shopkeepers, masters and servants, rich and poor. But God's eye only takes account of two orders, the wheat and the chaff. There are many and various minds in every congregation that meets for religious worship. There are some who attend for a mere form, and some who really desire to meet Christ, some who come there to please others, and some who come to please God, some who bring their hearts with them and are not soon tired, and some who leave their hearts behind them and reckon the whole service weary work. But the eye of the Lord Jesus only sees two divisions in the congregation, the wheat and the chaff. There were millions of visitors to the Great Exhibition of 1851, from Europe, Asia, Africa and America, from North and South, and East and West, crowds came together to see what skill and industry could do. 
children of our first father Adam's family who had never even seen each other before, for once met face to face under one roof. But the eye of the Lord only saw two companies thronging that large palace of glass, the wheat and the chaff. I know well the world dislikes this way of dividing professing Christians. The world tries hard to fancy there are three sorts of people, and not two. To be very good and very strict does not suit the world. They cannot, will not be saints. To have no religion at all does not suit the world. It would not be respectable. Thank God, they will say, we are not so bad as that. But to have religion enough to be saved, and yet not go into extremes, to be sufficiently good and yet not be peculiar, to have a quiet, easy-going, moderate kind of Christianity, and go comfortably to heaven after all, this is the world's favourite idea. There is a third class, a safe middle class, the world fancies, and in this middle class the majority of men persuade themselves they will be found. I denounce this notion of a middle class as an immense and soul-ruining delusion. I warn you strongly not to be carried away by it. It is as vain an invention as the Pope's purgatory. It is a refuge of lies, a castle in the air, a Russian ice palace, a vast unreality, an empty dream. The middle class is a class of Christians nowhere spoken of in the Bible. There were two classes in the day of Noah's flood, those who were inside the ark and those who were without. Two in the parable of the gospel net, those who were called the good fish and those who were called the bad. Two in the parable of the ten virgins, those who are described as wise and those who are described as foolish. Two in the account of the judgment day, the sheep and the goats. Two sides of the throne, the right hand and the left. Two abodes when the last sentence has been passed, heaven and hell. And just so, there are only two classes in the visible church on earth. Those who are in the state of nature, and those who are in the state of grace. Those who are in the narrow way, and those who are in the broad. Those who have faith, and those who have not faith. Those who have been converted, and those who have not been converted. Those who are with Christ, and those who are against Him. Those who gather with Him, and those who scatter abroad. Those who are wheat, and those who are chaff. Into these two classes the whole professing church of Christ may be divided. Beside these two classes there is none. See now what cause there is for self-inquiry. Are you among the wheat or among the chaff? Neutrality is impossible. Either you are in one class or in the other. Which is it of the two? You attend church, perhaps. You go to the Lord's table. You like good people. You can distinguish between good preaching and bad. You think popery false and oppose it warmly. You think Protestantism true and support it cordially. You subscribe to religious societies. You attend religious meetings. You sometimes read religious books. It is well. It is very well. It is good. It is all very good. It is more than can be said of many. But still, this is not a straightforward answer to my question. Are you wheat? Or are you chaff? Have you been born again? Are you a new creature? Have you put off the old man and put on the new? Have you ever felt your sins and repented of them? Are you looking simply to Christ for pardon and life eternal? Do you love Christ? Do you serve Christ? Do you loathe heart sins and fight against them? Do you long for perfect holiness and follow hard after it? Have you come out from the world? Do you delight in the Bible? Do you wrestle in prayer? Do you love Christ's people? 
Do you try to do good to the world? Are you vile in your own eyes and willing to take the lowest place? Are you a Christian in business, and on weekdays, and by your own fireside? Oh, think, think, think on these things, and then perhaps you will be better able to tell the state of your soul. I beseech you not to turn away from my question, however unpleasant it may be. Answer it, though it may prick your conscience and cut you to the heart. Answer it, though it may prove you in the wrong and expose your fearful danger. Rest not, rest not, till you know how it is between you and God. Better a thousand times find out that you are in an evil case, and repent betimes, than live on in uncertainty and be lost eternally. 2. Let me show, in the second place, the time when the two great classes of mankind shall be separated. The text at the beginning of this paper foretells a separation. It says that Christ shall one day do to his professing church what the farmer does to his corn. He shall winnow and sift it. He shall throughly purge his floor. And then the wheat and the chaff shall be divided. There is no separation yet. Good and bad are now all mingled together in the visible church of Christ. Believers and unbelievers, converted and unconverted, holy and unholy, all are to be found now among those who call themselves Christians. They sit side by side in our assemblies. They kneel side by side in our pews. They listen side by side to our sermons. They sometimes come up side by side to the Lord's table, and receive the same bread and wine from our hands. But it shall not always be so. Christ shall come the second time with his fan in his hand. He shall purge his church, even as he purified the temple. And then the wheat and the chaff shall be separated, and each shall go to its own place. A. Before Christ comes, separation is impossible. It is not in man's power to effect it. There lives not the minister on earth who can read the hearts of every one in his congregation. About some he may speak decidedly. He cannot about all. Who have oil in their lamps, and who have not? Who have grace as well as profession? And who have profession only, and no grace? Who are children of God, and who of the devil? All these are questions which in many cases we cannot accurately decide. The winnowing fan is not put into our hands. Grace is sometimes so weak and feeble that it looks like nature. Nature is sometimes so plausible and well-dressed that it looks like grace. I believe we should many of us have said that Judas was as good as any of the apostles, and yet he proved a traitor. I believe we should have said that Peter was a reprobate when he denied his Lord, and yet he repented immediately and rose again. We are but fallible men. We know in part, and we prophesy in part. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 9 We scarcely understand our own hearts. It is no great wonder if we cannot read the hearts of others. But it will not always be so. There is one coming who never errs in judgment, and is perfect in knowledge. Jesus shall purge his floor. Jesus shall sift the chaff from the wheat. I wait for this. Till then I will lean to the side of charity in my judgments. I would rather tolerate much chaff in the church than cast out one grain of wheat. He shall soon come who has his fan in his hand, and then the certainty about every one shall be known. B. Before Christ comes, it is useless to expect to see a perfect church. There cannot be such a thing. The wheat and the chaff in the present state of things will always be found together. I pity those who leave one church and join another because of a few faults and unsound members. 
I pity them because they are fostering ideas which can never be realized. I pity them because they are seeking that which cannot be found. I see chaff everywhere. I see imperfections and infirmities of some kind in every communion on earth. I believe there are few tables of the Lord, if any, where all the communicants are converted. I often see loud-talking professors exalted as saints. I often see holy and contrite believers set down as having no grace at all. I am satisfied if men are too scrupulous, they may go fluttering about like Noah's dove all their days and never find rest. Does any reader of this paper desire a perfect church? You must wait for the day of Christ's appearing. Then, and not till then, you will see a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 27. Then, and not till then, the floor will be purged. C. Before Christ comes, it is vain to look for the conversion of the world. How can it be if he is to find wheat and chaff side by side on the day of his second coming? I believe some Christians expect that missions will fill the earth with the knowledge of Christ, and that little by little sin will disappear and a state of perfect holiness gradually glide in. I cannot see with their eyes. I think they are mistaking God's purposes and sowing for themselves bitter disappointment. I expect nothing of the kind. I see nothing in the Bible, or in the world around me, to make me expect it. I have never heard of a single congregation entirely converted to God in England or Scotland, or of anything like it. And why am I to look for a different result from the preaching of the gospel in other lands? I only expect to see a few raised up as witnesses to Christ in every nation, some in one place and some in another. Then I expect the Lord Jesus will come in glory, with his fan in his hand, and when he has purged his floor, and not till then, his kingdom will begin. No separation and no perfection till Christ comes. This is my creed. I am not moved when the infidel asks me why all the world is not converted if Christianity is really true. I answer, it was never promised that it would be so in the present order of things. The Bible tells me that believers will always be few, that corruptions and divisions and heresies will always abound, and that when my Lord returns to earth he will find plenty of chaff. No perfection till Christ comes. I am not disturbed when men say, make all the people good Christians at home before you send missionaries to the heathen abroad. I answer, if I am to wait for that, I may wait forever. When we have done all at home, the church will still be a mixed body, it will contain some wheat and much chaff. But Christ will come again. Sooner or later, there shall be a separation of the visible church into two companies, and fearful shall that separation be. The wheat shall make up one company, the chaff shall make up another. The one company will be all godly, the other company will be all ungodly. Each shall be by themselves, and a great gulf between that none can pass. Blessed indeed shall the righteous be in that day. They shall shine like stars, no longer obscured with clouds. They shall be beautiful as the lily, no longer choked with thorns. Canticle chapter 2 verse 2 Wretched indeed will the ungodly be. How corrupt will corruption be when left without one grain of salt to season it? How dark will darkness be when left without one spark of light? Ah, it is not enough to respect and admire the Lord's people. You must belong to them, or you will one day be parted from them forever. There will be no chaff in heaven. Many, many are the families where one will be taken and another left. 
Luke chapter 17, verse 34. Who is there now among the readers of this paper that loves the Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity? If I know anything of the heart of a Christian, your greatest trials are in the company of worldly people, your greatest joys in the company of the saints. Yes, there are many weary days when your spirit feels broken and crushed by the earthly tone of all around you, days when you could cry with David, Woe is me that I dwell in Mesek, and have my habitation in the tents of Kedar. Psalm 120, verse 5 And yet there are hours when your soul is so refreshed and revived by meeting some of God's dear children that it seems like heaven on earth. Do I not speak to your heart? Are not these things true? See then how you should long for the time when Christ shall come again. See how you should pray daily that the Lord Jesus would hasten his kingdom and say to him, Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Revelation chapter 22, verse 20. Then, and not till then, shall be a pure unmixed communion. Then, and not till then, the saints shall all be together, and shall go out from one another's presence no more. Wait a little. Wait a little. Scorn and contempt will soon be over. Laughter and ridicule shall soon have an end. Slander and misrepresentation will soon cease. Your Saviour shall come and plead your cause, and then, as Moses said to Korah, the Lord will show who are his. Numbers chapter 16, verse 5. Footnote. This is certain. When the elect are all converted, then Christ will come to judgment. As he that rows a boat stays till all the passengers are taken into his boat, and then he rows away. So Christ stays till all the elect are gathered in, and then he will hasten away to judgment. Thomas Watson, 1660. End of footnote. Who is there among the readers of this paper that knows his heart is not right in the sight of God? See how you should fear and tremble at the thought of Christ's appearing. Alas, indeed, for the man that lives and dies with nothing better than a cloak of religion. In the day when Christ shall purge his floor, you will be shown up and exposed in your true colours. You may deceive ministers and friends and neighbours, but you cannot deceive Christ. The paint and varnish of a heartless Christianity will never stand the fire of that day. The Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. You will find that the eye which saw Achan and Gehazi has read your secrets, and searched out your hidden things. You will hear that awful word, Friend, how camest thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? Matthew chapter 22, verse 12. O oh, tremble at the thought of the day of sifting and separation. Surely hypocrisy is a most losing game. Surely it never answers to act a part. Surely it never answers like Ananias and Sapphira to pretend to give God something, and yet to keep back your heart. It all fails at last. Your joy is but for a moment. Your hopes are no better than a dream. Oh, tremble, tremble, tremble and repent. End of chapter 20, part 1.